No mai hoki mai ki te putoa talanoa, the alumni series. We've got an amazing guest today. Um, without further ado, I'm just going to hand it over to you, my friend, to introduce yourself, kōwai koe no here, what cohort were you a part of, and where are you now? Yeah, uh, kia ora uh, ko rāhui Maki Brown i tōku ingoa, uh, tōku whaia, hu huri a hau nō raki ura, me kaitahu, me tūhoi, uh, tōku papa, he uri a hau ngā ngāpuhi, me te rāroa, me ngā tirua nui. Um, I am from cohort 6, so 2021-2022 year, um, had a really amazing uh, journey there over that 12 weeks. Um, I'm currently now at KPMG as a cybersecurity analyst. Mm. You had an interesting cohort because you're part of the year that did most of your aye, aye. Um, thing virtually. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, it was real interesting with um, COVID. Like, I'm quite a big person on networking and meeting people face to face and kind of just um, building a relationship that way. But with it being kind of COVID and everything virtual, it was, yeah, quite an experience. Um, I think I was quite fortunate with my uh, team, my cohort, um, being cohort six at Accenture. Um, there was six or seven of us, and we had kind of weekly catch-ups, just us, um, and discuss kind of what was going on. Um, Jasmine was amazing. She gave us our high-low hero. It was something we did every week, so it was the higher the week, the lower the week, and our hero. So that was a kind of really good way to kind of stay connected and um, pull us out of any of the issues we were having at home or, um, or with work. So... You're in the space of cybersecurity, yeah. so just somebody like treat me like a kindergarten. Sure, but sure. Cybersecurity, what is it, and how did you get into it? Ah, good partai, good partai. <laughs> um, I kind of fell into IT um, and cyber myself, actually. Um, I played sport quite a few years back now um, and actually tore the ligaments in my wrist. Uh, I did a complex tear and severe damage to my cartilage and tore it in three places. Um, and it kind of gave me a full reset. I spent nine and a half months not being able to work, not kind of knowing what to do. Um, I was fortunate at the back end of that to meet my wahine, who um, is a lawyer now, and she kind of pushed me into looking at uni. Um, I did one IT paper at school, loved it, um, and then, yeah, just fell into it. I started an IT degree with never owning a laptop, so that was a massive learning curve. That <laughs> first semester, I completely <laughs> fell on my face. Um, all of my classmates is kind of like... A lot of people around me had built computers, you know, they pulled them apart, they're on to the fifth or sixth. Me, just pen and paper turning up, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, wow. And yeah, just, I don't know, it's something with cyber kind of just clicked with me. Um, it's really interesting, it's kind of a space that's kind of always evolving. Um, and the part I really like about cyber is kind of looking at an organisation and figuring out what what's key to them, and then what how do we secure that. So there's all sorts of kind of risks um, that come with being online in any sort of business and we've kind of shifted in time now where it's a case of when you're going to be hit rather than if so it's kind of really building that conversation with people and I guess cybersecurity is just securing that information and making sure um, the right people have access to the information and those who shouldn't don't have access um, yeah and cyber kind of covers a lot of kind of areas most people think of like a hacker pen yeah, testing that's the kind of space that everyone loves um, for me personally, that's not what I love. Like, it's amazing breaking something and being like, woohoo, I've just broken in. Um, it takes a lot of time and it's really silo. It's kind of just you and a computer. So, yeah, I like the cyber defense where um, you do go into those organizations and you just figure out, okay, how do we stop you guys from being breached? And if you are breached, how do we uh, kind of respond and then recover and then how do we prevent it in the future? Just a couple of things. You know, tech 
people that mm-hmm. have crossed paths with aren't known as the most outgoing people. So I guess, would you consider yourself like an anomaly type? Because you said you love networking. Yeah, well, so, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like um, just even being in tech and being Māori, so at AUT I was one of four. Um, two of which were older students who couldn't find work and they were coming back to get a degree to help them find work. Um, and then one was kind of, sorry, and when I say IT, they were in the math, science and uh, IT division. So there's about three, 4,000 students, one or four being Māori. Um, and this other dude was engineering. So yeah, I absolutely felt like I stuck out. Um, I don't know, being Māori, there's like little things like I'm quite often, I'll, I won't just listen, I'll challenge someone, I'll ask a question. Um, and it made it very challenging in a few classes. Um, but yeah, definitely felt like an anomaly. One being Marty, um, one playing sport, like um, quite often playing rugby. Not like, gaming, eh? Yeah, oh, <laughs> just telling the coach, oh, hey, how's the work going? Yeah, yeah, um, I do cybersecurity, and his automatic assumption is, oh, what club are you bouncing at? Can I get in for free? Because they hear security, and yeah. it's just kind of a club. So, um, yeah, it was a real flip side being Marty, playing sport, and doing IT. And then, yeah, like you said, being kind of outgoing, I felt, I don't know, it's a bit interesting mm. not being. Uh, or being one of the only ones in my classes that kind of speak or put my hand up. Yeah. I don't know, I feel like for me to get value out of anything, I've got to be talking, I've got to kind of have that conversation, otherwise yeah. it's just me sitting there watching and I can do that at home on YouTube. That's, yeah. you know, if I'm going to pay $20,000 20, for a degree, I want to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm getting the most out of it. Just before that, he's up, sorry. Um, <laughs> where, where did they come from, bro? Like, just that whole curiosity, um, we could call it, I guess. I don't know, I feel like um, it's something that I, being Māori and I feel like Pacifica have that kind of, you're a tutu, you have that kind of, you want to you test things out, like, I don't know well, whether it's... consequences there. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and that's, that's really where I see like such a big alignment for yeah. our Māori Pacifica in tech, in cyber that's especially, like, because like being a pen tester, that's what you get paid to do, you get paid to look at something, try to figure it out, try to break it, that's just, I don't know. Something I've always been a bit of a tattoo, and yeah, like you said, gets you in a lot of trouble sometimes. <laughs> uh, makes things exciting though. <laughs> Can't say I've had a boring life. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's it. You spoke a little bit about um, being Māori in this space, mm. and every time I've seen you, you, you just present yourself as a strong Māori tane. Um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, did you grow up in Te Māori with your reo? Nah, so um, my whanau, quite big, um, but my uh, auntie was the only one who picked up uh, anything Te Māori. So from both mum's side and dad's side, my grandparents were kind of of the age where they were beaten for speaking reo mm-hmm. and it just wasn't something kind of ever used. Um, I guess like most I had grew up with hoha and tutu and there's kind of basic real words but I never really uh, got too heavily involved although I think what kind of always drew me to um, to Māori and to the culture was I remember being year f- one or two and I think um, Pakaranga or Anchorage, Anchorage Park was my primary and Edgewater came and they performed and I remember sitting in the front and just being scared and like <laughs> what's going on how do I do that that's me and just yeah then busting out a haka and just I don't know it just excited me straight away and yeah I kind of picked up kapaka and did it right the way through school um, did a little bit of my language at, at, at kura although I don't know I just without having kind of anyone uh, too close speaking it wasn't really something I kept um, but yeah I've kind of 
rejoined that um, real journey lately and just, yeah, been loving it. It's, I don't know, there's something so beautiful about your own culture, especially for me, um, Māori. I just find it so uh, metaphorical and, like, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. It, I don't know, just find it super exciting. Yeah, and, yeah, so there wasn't really a lot growing up. Um, at a couple of occasions, my um, man was always a digger, so there was quite a few tangi we headed up to, but there wasn't kind of too much uh, touching on through. Do you think, you know, now that you're on your journey, um, some of that has helped you with your mahi today? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't know, I guess for me, being Māori, I feel like we're quite good at kind of connecting with people. We're good at kind of networking. And within my mahi, I think it's really important um, to kind of get across and be able to speak to the client and really understand what's going on for them because... More often than not, when the big corporate kind of comes in, a lot of people just give you a kind of high level and they don't really want to touch on anything too bad. Um, but I think when you kind of build those relationships, they're a bit more open to actually say, hey, this doesn't work. Um, and I think that's really where a lot of our businesses need to go because we're kind of in a space still where if something goes wrong, then it's your fault. And then there's this kind of fear and then this is, oh, I'm going to lose my job. And there's all that kind of... Um, I guess mamai that comes with it and then people are scared but I think where we need to be is move it from um, it's your fault to it it just happens mm. so it's just a matter of time so if we can move away from that then you can kind of break a lot of that kind of time wasted because if your organisation has been broken into the longer they're there the more information they get the more it's going to cost you and the harder it is it's going to recover so if you can shift straight into hey sorry this has happened this is what I did then it saves two or three days if not more which can equate to Millions of dollars. dollars. Millions yeah. of dollars. That makes Monopoly real now, isn't it? It does. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, going back, like you said, you got injured. Mm. And obviously there's, you know, it's easy to talk about and you can spend like three seconds saying, oh, hey, I got injured, then yeah. Yeah. But the journey of like going through all of that, and how, how do you feel that has sort of set you up? Because you come across as somebody who's really solution Mm. orientated now yeah. which yeah. I, I love and I think yeah. our people need more of it yeah. but I, yeah I think yeah that's touching on injury yeah it's definitely a big piece so it was yeah about 11 months so seven and a half if not eight on ACC couple of months just absolutely on nothing um, living off mates and got into a bit of a dark space um, personally mentally um, I was fortunate yeah to come out of that and find my wahine who absolutely helped me through that journey but it got to the stage yeah, where it absolutely had to be kind of action orientated of um, being my right wrist I was working I was playing sport and I kind of just had nothing to do I couldn't cook for myself I couldn't really do anything um Oh, I remember one day, it was probably second or third month, and I was having to relearn how to brush my teeth. Because wow. you can't, I couldn't lift my wrist, so it was stuck in a splint, kind of just like this, for five months. Um, and yeah, just trying to brush my teeth. And I remember getting so high and just throwing my toothbrush on the window and ended up in the toilet. So <laughs> there was a, such a good laugh. It like a, it's funny now, right? <laughs> And then it just. And I'm like, oh, oh man. Obviously got a new toothbrush. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It just kind of being in that kind of situation, it was really like, okay, I want to do this. How do I do it? Yeah. And kind of just really made me kind of plan out and be quite meticulous um, of kind of what I want to do, where I want to go. Um, and I've, yeah, definitely find that helps of kind of setting goals of what needs to be done and where I want to see things. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, I love hearing stories of, like, triumphing over, <clears throat> triumphing over um, kind of, you know, challenges 
And it just shows where your resilience comes from. Mm. One thing that I remember, because you hosted an event for us last year about uh, for our networking event, and you got up and you said that you don't usually like getting up and speaking in front of people. Mm. Um, you said, but I put myself in these positions. Mm. Where does that facado come from? And how do you um, get through that discomfort or that ick? I don't know. I feel like a lot of my life I've always been pushed into those situations. Um, so, I don't know. I just, like, I've had a talk with a few comrades who are just different people in my life and they've always kind of said you know you do well in leadership positions um we wanted to put you forward for this and there was a little bit kind of that pushing um and I felt in myself that you know I actually want to choose these for myself like if there's a lot of that belief there and I'm starting to believe it myself um that I actually need to put myself in those situations to get comfortable uh yeah no matter when I'm talking where I'm talking there's always that kind of little five minutes of just being real nervous and like Oh my god, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I think once I kind of get up there, I get comfortable um, and I just really enjoy it. So it's just, yeah, I guess putting myself in uncomfortable positions, I think, um, is something that I try to do a lot. It's being injured, there was a lot of things I couldn't do. Um, I made a lot of excuses for stuff I did um, and couldn't do. So I guess part of that for Cardo was just wanting to challenge myself and continue to grow because I think um, the space I'm in, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for Marty Pacifica to kind of get into tech and I kind of want to put myself forward to kind of take on those challenges so they don't have to. Um, there was a facado that I went to just recently um, down at the grid. I uh, can't remember who was speaking, but um, she was saying that we uh, like the linebackers, um, us older ones, so, you know, we got to kind of set the space and let um, our next rangatahi come through without those challenges. And I think if I uh, can put my hand up and put myself in those situations, hopefully it's not as bad for someone else. Mm, um, yeah, I've had a lot of obstacles in my life and lots of challenges, so I feel like if I can help someone else um, learn and grow from my experience, why not? I don't know what a linebacker is, but hey. Very American. They're the big dudes, they're the big dudes, so when they throw the ball and someone's getting a run, they're the ones kind of blocking. Right, gotcha. Yeah, breaking those spaces. With your injury, it's it's this whole thing of identity, right? I think because many times... You know, growing up, you attach your identity to the things you're able to do. Uh, uh, so I think, you know, when you talked about having that stripped away from you, mm. what was that sort of process like of realising, damn, I yeah. can't do this anymore and now it's figuring out who am I type thing? Mm, mm, mm. Um, I guess, yeah, it was a kind of really challenging space. Like, um, I was doing really well with my sport. Um, I actually got asked to... Uh, attend open charts for the Warriors because I was playing really well um, in my final season and then I decided you know what nah I want to keep playing rugby that's what I love I love the kind of excitement of rugby being a big person there's a lot more to do you've got rucks you've got line outs and it's a lot more kind of thinking where I find nothing against league love playing league I just find it as a big person it's just a catch and run um, so yeah I pushed into that next season and it was the first game man of the match and I yeah blew the ligaments so it was a I don't know it was a real kind of reset and yeah I think it took me quite a while to kind of realise that I couldn't be doing that sort of stuff um, it took a lot of card or um, and it all with my whanau uh, especially my old man um, got a lot of time and respect for him he said you know if you want to keep playing rugby then you've got to do something that it doesn't matter too much if you get injured because at the time I was doing kitchens I was doing trades it was all hands it was kind of real heavy work um, and just kind of not being able to do anything for six or seven months yeah that was real mental challenge so having that quarter with him he's like you know what why don't you try something something else and yeah I don't know I guess it's hard to kind of describe that moment because there was a lot of 
be self-medication, if oh, I want to be honest. Yeah, a lot of what-ifs. A lot of what-ifs, yeah. a lot of what do I do, where do I go. Yeah, um, yeah and I don't know, just... And, and, and obviously you've seen you being in the trade sort of mm. arena and then coming into the space of cybersecurity. How do your old mates sort of view you now? How's that? Yeah, it's an <laughs> interesting piece there. So I actually just had my stag do on the weekend, so I'm getting <laughs> getting married next week. Um, and I had quite a few mates that were kind of from that period of where I was kind of like partying and just kind of up to nonsense. Um, and one came through and he was just, yeah, he's blown away. He's like, bro, I just can't believe how much you've switched on. You know what I mean? He's like, I always knew you were kind of, you were clever enough to be doing a lot more than when you were doing. So, um, yeah, I guess just being in the kind of, right headspace with the right people um, was really important to kind of help push me into that space. Um, my, yeah, real good uni friends have just been amazing. It's finding a group of people that have similar goals and really want to do well. So, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting space. One of my favourite guys is this guy, David Goggins. He's, um, he's an ex-Navy SEAL and does a lot of ultra-marathons. Yeah. But his, his call it all is that, you know, he used to be an overweight... I sprained for cockroaches mm. and like you know so he went on a duty to become a Navy SEAL but the, the thing that stands out in his corridor he says what amazes him is that in that person was the person that is now yeah, and I think absolutely. just hearing you is like man how like where you are now that's that's always been there right mm. but it's funny how life circumstances yeah, come around and sort of mould yeah. uh, you to the person you know for our people, bro, like, can you sort of speak into potential that you see? And, and like, yeah, I just think, I, I've got this saying, it's like, potential is good to have, but it's not good to keep. Mm. And I think, mm. you know, sometimes we need to get taken out of our environments uh, uh. to become the person who we're capable of. Yeah. So, I, I don't know where I'm going, but I hope you know what I mean. It's because I, I, I look at you now, and yeah, I just, I guess, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's interesting for Cardo of like, yeah, how do you kind of break out of your kind of inner circle? I guess that's something um, me and my wife talk about a lot is kind of breaking those family cycles, whether it's you know drinking, whether it's drugs, whatever it is. It's just kind of breaking those cycles and what kind of puts you in that space. Um, I guess for me, it was just yeah, it was different people that kind of walked into my life that really just said, hey, what are you doing? You should be doing better than this. Um, got a good friend from uh, my work, uh, Andrew. He uh, had an interesting facado where he was working in the freezing works and his boss told him to F off. And it took him a couple of weeks to be like, what do you mean F off? And he said, you're much better than this. Go somewhere Ooh. else. And he spent years overseas and he'd come back and he's, he's done really well. I guess for me, I had kind of similar situations yeah. where I've just had people be like, bro, what are you up to? Why are you doing that? You should, you know, you should try something else. And I had a similar situation when I was doing kitchens. It was, man, you could be doing a lot more than kitchens. Like, yes, you're good at it. Yes, it's great. But I feel like you could be doing a lot more. Um, and I don't know, I guess with my Māori Pacifica, there's always been the urge to kind of give back to my community. So I feel like um, cyber is one of those spaces where I can. Um, it's something that I really enjoy and I just really see us uh, transitioning into that being those kind of tutus being those ones trying to figure things out I think it's such an amazing space and like from cybersecurity. so if we look at the global network the estimated gap is 3.4 million people that's how many people they are missing in this industry this industry is amazing it's interesting and it's super well paid yeah. you can go overseas and you're talking 250, 300,000 if not more 
Uh, I've got a friend who left here from uni, went into 80K, and he's just about to hit 100 in his yeah. second year. And I'm like, it's amazing. There's just so much opportunity in that space. Our parents never even dreamed of 80. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So I, yeah. um, at university, I did a marketing paper, um, and one of the teachers said, the average New Zealander, I think it's 80% in New Zealand, don't earn over 60000 And I just find that crazy. I'm like, there's so much opportunity, there's so many industries where you can kind of just learn and grow, and tech is just huge. It's everywhere. Every industry is having it. Stuff like ChatGPT uh, yeah. Chat is going to do amazing things. Yeah. Uh, and it's just interesting to see like how much those kind of spaces are blown up, and I just feel like with the kind of tutu mindset and the kind of space we're in now within Te Ao Māori, within New Zealand of kind of that inclusion and really stepping up to the treaty principles, I think there's just ample opportunity for Māori Pacifica to jump into that space and just do well. I love you advocating. Just come on, come be a tutu. Come on, guys. Oh, no, just give it, 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 it a go. I, um, it's a message that needs to get to the primary school. <laughs> oh, funny you touch on that. So my final year of university, I was a teaching assistant. So I was working at Conifer Grove, um, and I actually started a tech club. So I ended up being brought on for coaching rugby um, under 13 counties. And then uh, after the comp, one of the teachers said, oh, what do you do you know, outside of outside of uni um, and I said oh, I'm just doing retail and they said oh it'd be quite interesting to get you to come into the school um, and yeah I just picked up that work it was amazing um, just being able to kind of help young Martin Pacifica and I think it was um, interesting you said before that kind of to a kind of tainer relationship where they wouldn't listen to the teacher but as soon as I looked at them they were oh okay yeah better listen oh, better listen yeah. and then starting the tech club getting them to come along they were just oh this is cool this is interesting and yeah I really feel like it's such a big space and like I said, 3.4 million, that's more than New Zealand's workforce, so a lot of opportunity there. I think the hard part for a lot of us is also where I struggle is just not having access to that, that kind of computers and that kind of IT space. So I've just taken on a um, student that I'm helping mentor um, who's just started uni. Um, real funny situation. He got caught by his school hacking. So he jumped on their computer, stole the Wi-Fi password and was selling it to his friends. Oh my god, it's so, so clever. Stand as an entrepreneur, oh man. <laughs> I just, yeah. And then he explained to me what, I did, oh, what he did. And he said, I watched YouTube and I could see, I could just type in this one line of code and it gave me the Wi-Fi. And I said, one, good on you. That's amazing. That's super interesting and hilarious. Um, he told me, oh, I'm charging them five bucks. And I was like, I would have done 10. <laughs> let's, let's, let's make some real money here. Um, but no, fortunately, his school, obviously he got in trouble, but um, his school kind of said, you know, you're, you're good in this space, so let's actually put it in a good direction. So um, Dan reached out and uh, yeah, started mentoring him and just yeah, helping him in that space. I think it's, yeah, it's hilarious. That's what I mean. You know, we, we're all automatically tutus. We're already trying to figure out how, how we can do things. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just, it's really the kind of equity space of how do we get them in front of tech and actually be using tech. I think that was a big piece that kind of highlighted over COVID was a lot of students just didn't have internet. They didn't have a computer. So how do they learn? So I think, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done in that kind of space of accessibility for our kind of tech and um, that sort of stuff. Because I know there's a few countries like Denmark who have actually made internet a human right now. So I think uh, hopefully we can head in that sort of space where everyone has access to it and it'll be really interesting. I love the corridor because it reminded me of Maui, you know, him <laughs> getting up to mischief. Like, yeah. Maui was mischief, eh? <laughs> but Maui also, from what a lot of the work that he did, there was a lot of fruit from his mahi. Mm. And so, um, you know, 
I love this whole corridor about being tutus. But speaking of Maui and like Rangatira, we have spoke a little bit about Rangatira for this corridor. Who are some Rangatira that you look up to? Um, yeah, there's a few. Um, so Dan Walker, or Dan Tefino Walker, is one of my uh, mentors, and I catch up with him quite regularly. Um, I've just recently run into Matthew Tukaki, um, had a few good cordial with him about the work he's doing, um, and I feel like a, really someone I can look up to. Um, he's doing some amazing stuff within Te Ao Māori, um, and then I've got a few friends and colleagues from work that I um, consult with, so Andrew Watani is always good, um, Vinnie Campbell, our Pogahudia. Um, I was kind of lean on a few of the boys, Tanira and Lewi, for kind of just my Te Ao Māori space, um, and as I grow into that space, um, and then I've just, yeah, my whānau with my parents have had some crazy lives, so they're definitely uh, people I look up to. Uh, yeah, I don't know, there's kind of, I, was advice I got given um, a little while ago actually was to pick different people in different parts of your life because they're all going to have different kind of insights. Um, and it's something I like to do quite often is to reach out and be like, hey, how do you think I'm tracking? Where do you think I'm at? Um, and just kind of getting that feedback because, yeah, I don't know, I could feel like I'm doing amazing, I could be doing all this leadership stuff and then people around the corner going, ow, what's this guy up to? <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's doing this, he's doing that. Oh, he's all nonsense. I don't, you know, I kind of want to um, be a person that can, you know, stand on my own two feet um, and just kind of be, you know, happy with where I'm at and kind of on that journey. So, yeah, there's quite a few people. Um, been watching quite a lot of uh, Mr. Beast, funnily enough. He's a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, he's he's like, the YouTuber. He's super amazing, man. Yeah. Just his mindset and how he kind of analytically looks at things I just find super interesting. And, um, yeah, there's quite a few people like that that I just, yeah, follow their content, watch a little bit of it and just, yeah. Have a Do you have any siblings? Oh, good question there. Big whānau. So, um, one of seven. Okay. Yeah. So, I've got... <laughs> Were you in the ranking? Three brothers, three sisters. Yeah. Um, so my both my parents had kids before they met, yeah. um, and I'm the eldest of my parents. Oh, so I've got four older siblings, um, two younger siblings. So I've twin brothers, an older sister. Sorry, two older sisters, and then a younger brother, younger sister. So I'll, in my final way, a lot of lot of different hats. Where it's yeah. kind of uh, growing up, I was kind of always looking after the younger ones because yeah. I was old enough, but not old enough yeah. <laughs> to be hanging out with my older cousins. It's um, like you're an intermediate. Eh? I was an intermediate, and I was one. Oh yeah, look after baby. Oh, oh where? Um, but then yeah, within the, you know my two full siblings, um, yeah, kind of have that kind of leadership role, um, and it's something I've picked up in my Watafano too. Um, being on my dual journey, I've got about 25 first cousins. Mm-hmm. No one's no one's really picked up through Māori. Um, so my auntie's been helping me a lot. Oh, that's someone else I look up to is my auntie and uncle. Um, my auntie's our uh, kaikaranga for about five or six of our uh, marae up home. So those two are, yeah, I lean on a lot for my real stuff. And, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely picked up the kind of whakaro and the uh, of speaking, I guess, for, for my whānau. So... Yeah, there's a lot of lot of hits there. <laughs> How are your shoulders? <clears throat> That's good. They're not doing too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so you know, theorists and stuff. Do you have full function now, or what's the deal? So, yes, it's full function, um, but every now and then it just gets a little higher. Um, I'm doing IT. I don't know why I picked IT. That's RSI. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I feel like I need to go back to the physio, but it's always a bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> you're too young. I can't be uh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, every now and then it kind of plays up, so I just limit my gaming to. Otherwise, I'm like 10, 12 hours on the computer, and it's, yeah, not good for the wrist. Mm. All the eyes. 
And I guess for you, bro, like, you know, you've gone through all of this. What what would you like the future to look like for you and obviously your younger siblings? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a few goals there. Um, I actually got asked this the other day and it made me kind of really think about where I'm heading, what I want to be doing. Um, there's a couple of goals I've had for a long time. Um, one is both my parents, so I've always um, rented. So I worked out the other day after buying my first house that I've lived in 24 different houses. Whoa. And I'm 25. So it's kind of been all over the place. So one of my big goals is to buy some whenua both in the cargo where my mum's from and I was born in Hōriki where my old man is and I'd love to set them up in a trust so my whanau, my, my kids, my mukupuna, I can always have somewhere to go and yes. so they know they're grounding because um, that's something that, so yeah, right, obviously learning in Te Ao Māori is, yeah, it's <laughs> learning a lot that you kind of really need that stability. Um, and then, yeah, for myself, I'd, I don't know, um, I had, I had a goal last year to try and make a manager a partner within KPMG um, and then since then there's been kind of opportunities popping up and I think I really want to kind of be in a space where I am helping my helping my people. Um, cybersecurity I think is one of the spaces I can do that and kind of getting in a role where I can help uh, rangatahi get into, into cybersecurity and have that kind of teaching space um, I think would be really amazing. Again, it's kind of, I don't know what that that title would be or where that kind of sits but I yeah, want to be in a space where I'm not only doing well for myself within cybersecurity but I'm also helping my kind of te Māori and my wider culture getting into it um, and then another personal form my deal is I'd love to be fluent it's a journey in itself um, just kind of getting to that stage um, and then yeah I think I mentioned prior that I'd like to do my masters so I'm quite keen to get on top of that so I'm looking at bringing cybersecurity principles and tikanga Māori together um, and what they kind of look like in the what they look like in the governance space because I think we're at the stage now where a lot of our iwi are getting their settlements they are getting money and they're kind of really starting to make organisations and then they're going into the cloud so I want to make sure that they understand where their information is going what it looks like who's controlling it and if they're really happy to do that because I feel like within Māori we're an oral language, yeah. so our language and our culture is, you know, everything to us. It's really important. So I want to make sure that when they do make that choice, that they are informed, um, and that it's really good. So I think with places like Microsoft, AWS building data centers here, it'll be a really big um, stepping stone, I think, for our people to kind of yeah get digital and really yeah, embrace it. A bit around just the, the sovereignty of mm. data, right? Yeah, that's a big thing. So. Yeah, absolutely, because depending on who's holding your data yeah. and where it's being held, um, has different regulations, different rules and different access. So if we decided, hey, let's take Tuputo's information from NZ, let's put it in the US, yeah. then the US government have all legal rights to go through your information and see everything there. Similar in uh, a few other countries, like China have the similar stuff, and then your kind of military state company, uh, countries also have that kind of ability. So I think it's, yeah, within Māori, is just holding that sovereignty and holding it in New Zealand, I think it'll be a really important space. I think depending on who you are, I think China's. <laughs> yeah, they, they already know where you live. You on TikTok, they already know where you live and what time you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just, yeah. I think it's a really interesting debate, and I think we're at the space now where Tao Māori is becoming a lot more prevalent within kind of just organisations and spaces we're stepping into. So I think my kind of key point on the governance is just, yeah, how do we manage it and how do we do it well? Because there's a lot of organisations that are, you know, doing pōhiri, they're doing whakatau, um, and they're kind of bringing te ao Māori in. But just, yeah, I think for me it's, it's really important to make sure it's done 
quickly and it's done yes. and with the right meaning, you know what I mean? So it's not just a, oh, Huge. let's change our company strategy and let's make it, oh, there's a wahine that um, had a similar corridor and she said the difference between bilingual and bicultural. So yeah. bilingual is just, oh, let's throw a Māori word in there. Yeah. Bicultural is when you actually understand the culture, you understand the purpose and, and it's actually in there. understanding right? nice. Yeah. nice just before I give it to he to name the pain for us like you know you, you spoke about um, people telling you that they saw more in you than you mm. saw in yourself when did it when did you believe what they said and then yeah yeah um, so I guess just recently so last year um, uh, with KPMG we did a grad camp so our grad camp was three days um, and we spent three days at Te Aroha Marae in Mangakahia um, and that was a beautiful trip it was I don't know for me being Māori and kind of having pōhiri experiences whakatau like all that sort of stuff through kura um, and then going back home for tangis weddings all that sort of stuff I was kind of I didn't quite realise how much of it I knew um, and then coming into the grad camp with about 130 grads um, a lot of people just did, had no idea about the culture so I found a lot of the time I was kind of eating cold food because people were just kind of really invested and really enjoying it. Um, and on that trip, I got up there and did our wairinga and then I did our, um, I guess, our whai kōrero. Um, and then the second day, which is something I'm actually doing today, um, is there was a group that headed up to uh, the marae um, and they have a pōhiri on and all of the students kind of get involved. Um, and in my year, the komatua asked me to speak um, and actually asked me to be the first speaker so I was well you know that's amazing like speaking on behalf of, of them is, is a real big responsibility um, and he actually asked one of the boys to grab something off the top and I had no idea what he was grabbing um, and it was actually a tokotoko so he handed me the tokotoko it didn't say anything and it was just kind of a <laughs> and I just had full head stoke goosebumps like oh man wow okay okay um, yeah it was kind of it was a real moment of oh my goodness um what's going on here just like well okay um, if I'm going to be holding on to this then you know I better own it and I really want to be authentic with my Māori and that was there awesome. a real step of like yeah let's do this and um, let's do it right um, and it was yeah just an amazing trip and like I said I'm going back up tonight um, I'll speak on behalf of us um, and go back up take the tukutuku with me and see Pita it'll be yeah really amazing journey and yeah so funny thing with Tao Māori like um, just how many things line up? So the, my grad camp was pushed because of COVID. Um, it was in mid-May. And the Thursday I actually got the tukutuku was my grandfather's birthday. So he's been passed away 30 years this year. Oh, last year, I should say. Um, and getting the tukutuku on his birthday was just absolutely amazing. Um, and then over New Year's, I spent a couple of days with my auntie doing my whakapapa. So I wanted to really learn my northern side because I know a lot of myself, but I don't really know the north. Um, and she said, all right, sweet, the only way to learn it is to be there. So we took three days and just on the whenua in the water, and just, this is your manga, and just really learning that sort of stuff. Um, and then I went and seen one of our uh, kuia, uh, Isabel Pomare, and she said, oh, looked at the tukutuku and said, you know, this is uh, part of your whanau line here. Eh? <laughs> so the name for the tukutuku was Ngati Tiri no uh, Tutainui, and one of my hapu is Ngati Tutainui. So it's like, whew, wow, just wow. amazing, man, amazing. And yeah, I guess that kind of moment of being gifted that and just, you know what, someone else is seeing it as well. It's time to really embrace it and just, yeah, really putting myself in those positions. I'm fortunate at Mahi that we've got people like Vinny who help us do um, our real 
lessons and we do kind of whakatau every couple of weeks um, and just practice and learn with each other. So it's been, yeah, amazing journey and I think might be 12 or 13 just this morning. So we had a event at work um, that I opened for and yeah, it's just super amazing and yeah, really owning it, loving it. Man, there's a lot. You can, you should be proud of yourself, my friend. I feel like even just doing your deal mm. by itself is bloody, excuse my language, I'm saying, um, intimidating. It's scary. And you're battling with whakama all the time. Mm. Mm. Um, but then also putting yourself in these positions where you uh, aren't comfortable, but finding comfort and discomfort is really, really... Um, just for younger people to see inspiring mm. so with that in mind you've got to you've been given a toko toko mm. think of your like cash your mind to future you um handing the toko toko down to someone else mm. what advice would you give them mm. well what a kōrero <laughs> what a what a partai um yeah i don't know i think one thing for me is just embrace it embrace it um, yeah that's something that I always struggled with was kind of put in the situations and just getting up and doing it but I think yeah just embracing it would be one big thing um, it's a journey it's not easy it's not going to be straight um, you might speak someone might absolutely rip you for speaking but you know that's just that's part of it it's Talmadi it's not always going to be perfect um, I don't know I guess yeah just breathe I think that's absolutely just breathe into it um that first kind of two or three minutes where I speak, I'm always. <laughs> Just before I go to speak, and then <clears throat> gotta clear the throat. Um, yeah, breathing's a big part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it's enjoy it. It's such a journey. It's um, absolutely amazing. You've got no idea where it's going to take you. Just let it take you. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid to ask for that criticism because a big part of it, I think, is really reaching out to people you trust um, and figuring out where you are kind of on the po um, and where you are on your journey. I think is really important and not to try overcommit yourself. There's uh, something I always struggle with. <laughs> I always put my hand up. I love doing stuff. Sounds about right. I love being busy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just yeah, recognizing where you are in the journey and just protecting yourself. Uh, because that's yeah something you can definitely pick up in Tao Māori is people can throw hate at you and it's just um, having something that grounds you. For me, um, it's awa. It's always the ocean. Um, whenever I'm kind of feel a bit overwhelmed or I feel like I'm a little bit out of it, I'll go down to the beach, um, have a little karakia in the water, maybe go for a swim. Just something that like that that's personal for you that that helps ground you. Um, I think it's really important. Powerful mm. Yeah, so much, man. I I think. You know, I speak for all of us and all those who will eventually get to hear this quarter. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you for obviously sharing today. Thank you for being a tutu. <laughs> you know, and, I, and obviously we extend our, 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 um, our thanks and aroha to your wahine too. And congratulations on your wedding next week, man. Thank we, you. Thank we you. pray for sunny weather and <laughs> just, just, just a blessed day for you both. Just uh, it's a celebration, and you know, I, I think um, just excited. I, I, I think you're a testimony to you know, the saying of you know, take the village to raise a child. Mm. And, you know, you're you're an example of like life's tough, mm. but it's there's 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 something on the other side of it. Ah. 
and this may suck now, yeah. but please don't stay there type mm. thing. And mm. so I just mm. want to mm. honour you for for pushing through and persevering, mm. and just uh, being being an example and becoming an example mm. for for all of us, regardless of of age. And I think um, you know I love that you're embracing this mantle of leader. Mm. You know, uh, uh, I think. True leaders are those who don't want to be, uh, because they don't seek the title, mm. but they are bestowed upon the responsibility. Mm. And so, you yeah, just really want to honour you in this moment, bro. And uh, thank you for taking the time. We know you're busy, and um, yeah, just just grateful, grateful for people such as yourself setting example, there, brother. So, totally. Yeah, on that note, man, just want to honour you. Thank you for supporting Tupotoa mm. uh, as a co-papa and becoming a tour kind of for those who are coming through so yeah just wish you heaps bro and excited for your future thank thank you. you very much